I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. Isaiah is writing to the southern kingdom of Judah. And he is writing to call the people of Judah back to God. They've gotten away from God. And, uh, and so he is, he is calling them to task for their sin, that which has caused them to be separated from God. And he's calling them back to God. It's a very interesting passage. You can almost say that uh, a prophet today writing about what's going on in America would have said the same thing. It's, uh, it's very much uh, applicable in what's going on with regard to what's going on in our society today. So we're going to begin reading verse number one, and I'm going to stop as we read through and make some comments about each of the verses and some of the words that are there. And, uh, and then I'm going to uh, give you some principles that are, that are found in this passage that relate to what we're, going, what, we're, what we're going through in America today and how we can get through it with a, um, a right spirit. So look in Isaiah 59, beginning verse number 1. Um, and these first few verses, by the way, are written in the third person. Isaiah is speaking as God is speaking to Judah. Notice verse number 1. He says, he begins by saying, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Two things he says there. Number one, God is able to take care of whatever problem you have. His, his hand is not shortened that it cannot save. And his ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. So he is willing, he is able, and he is willing to do what needs to be done to help us with whatever we're dealing with. Notice in verse number two. But there's a problem. What is it? Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now let me talk for just a moment about what was true in the Old Testament and how things are today. Because things in the Old Testament were different. Israel, Judah, the Jews were God's people. God had a plan for them. He had made a promise to them. He had promised Abraham uh, the, the, the possession of a huge portion of land. He had reiterated the promise to Isaac and to Jacob. It was still true at this time that God's promise concerning that land was valid. And it's still true today. There's coming a day when Israel is going to possess all of the land that God promised Abraham. We know it as the millennium. And the Lord is going to return, and he's going to take control of all of that land, and Israel is going to have possession, full possession, of all the land that God had promised them. So when God deals with the Jewish people in the Old Testament, he sometimes is, Jew is dealing with the nation. He dealt with nations. In the New Testament, our day, God does not deal with nations. He deals with individuals. It's all about us as individuals. And so when, when we read this, while it's talking about the Jews in Judah in the Old Testament, and you'll see in a moment that he is talking about specific people, but, uh, but, it, but it still involves the nation of Judah. 
nothing that is going on in America today with, as, as, as regard to our relationship with the Lord has anything to do with America's relationship to God. It has to do with believers' relationships with God. We often quote 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's a wonderful verse. Uh, uh, um, it's a wonderful verse. Yeah, how, how does it start? If my people, which are called by my name, that's one of those, Brother Kenny. How old are you again? You got, <laughs> he's got a ways to go yet. But sometimes it's hard to come up with the... the anyway, forget that. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now, sometimes we quote that verse and say, if we'll, if we'll do what that verse says, then God will heal our land. We're talking about America. You understand that America is not our land. Our inheritance is not on this earth. We are pilgrims and, and, and strangers in this world. So where is our inheritance? It's in heaven. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an inheritance that goes beyond this land. Will our country change if our people, if, I, if his people, which call by his name, do humble themselves, pray, seek his face, turn from their wicked ways? Will things change in America? It will, because people in America will have gotten right with God, and God would be able to respond to that. But as far as our nation, our land, being healed in the sense that God would heal the land of the nation of Israel, that's, that's not true for us as believers in this day and age. So now, verse 2, he says, your iniquities. When we read that, it has to be, it's, it's not talking about America's iniquities, it's talking about our iniquities, individuals, their iniquity. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now notice what he says next, verse number three. Your hands are defiled with blood. Now, thinking about Judah, their hands were, were defiled by blood. Uh, what was that blood? What, what, what are we talking about there? It, was, it had to do with the death of the prophets that they killed. Prophets who God sent to, to share with them the truth. And they chose to kill him. Jesus talked about that happening in, uh, in, in, in the Old Testament days. Uh, it had to do with innocent lives that were taken for the benefit of them being able to do what they wanted to do. It had to do with innocent children who were offered as sacrifices to heathen gods. All of that is blood that was on the hands of those who, to whom Isaiah is writing at this point. Your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity. He gets even more specific, not just your hands, but even your fingers are dripping with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. Per perverseness, the, the, the idea there is obstinacy, it's deviant, deviance, it's wickedness, it's, uh, it's, it's stuff that ought not to be so. And their lips 
Their tongue was not just, they were not just talking about it, they were, they were supporting it and they were encouraging it. Um, verse number four, none calleth for justice. That word is used several times in this passage. We'll get to some of the others in a moment. Nor any pleadeth for truth, another word that's used often. They trust in vanity. What is vanity? That's, that's pride. That's a sense of I can do what I want to do. I need to do what I want to, I want to do. Um, they trust in vanity. They speak lies. They conceive mischief. You know, think about it in their mind. Imagine it and, and, and form a plan. And bring forth iniquity. Verse 5. This is an interesting verse. They hatch cockatrice eggs. Anybody know what a cockatrice is? A cockatrice is a venomous snake. So they hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Um, Before we came here, we lived in North Carolina, in the Archdale area, which is just south of High Point. And we lived in a house that was at the end of a dirt road. It was a road that was maintained by the people who lived in that neighborhood, which meant that the road was not maintained. (laughs) Because, you know, it was a voluntary contribution, and nobody had any money to contribute to the road fund. And so it, uh, it had big gullies. It was, it was a rough, rough ride to get down, down the house. But we had a, had a garage in that house that I didn't, my car never went in. We, it was filled with stuff that we didn't use. Seven years we lived there, and I don't think, that we had about 15 boxes. I don't think I opened one time in the seven years we lived there. I left them there when we moved to Georgia. I figured if I didn't need it in the last seven years, I wasn't going to need it when I got down here. And you know what? I haven't needed it. Of course, I don't know what it was I didn't need because we just gave the stuff away. But, uh, but there was, I opened that garage one day and walked in there, and in the corner there was this huge spider web, and there was a spider in that web that was... <laughs> it was huge. I don't, I don't like spiders, but this thing was, this thing was huge. And I thought, buddy, i got to get rid of that thing. And so I managed to get it down on the ground, and then I took care of it. Buddy, I stepped on it. I squashed that thing. And you know what happened? Billions of little bitty spiders came crawling out of that big old sack on the back of it, and there were spiders everywhere. And so I'm stomping around trying to kill all these spiders. And I, I mean, so, so, so killing the spider, that one spider, you know what happened? It made it that much worse because all of a sudden I realized somewhere hiding in this garage among all these boxes. I hadn't thought about that. That's another reason I'm glad I didn't bring those boxes with me to Georgia. But hiding in those boxes are all these little bitty spiders. Isaiah says, that when you crush the viper, it, the, the, the cockatrice egg or whatever, then it breaketh out into a viper. It, it makes it worse because it just multiplies. It just keeps getting worse. Look at verse number, number six. The web shall not become garments. 
Neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity and the act of violence is in their hands. They, they think that the works that they do are going to be sufficient to cover their sin. But there's no way that that's going to happen. Their feet, you know, he talked about their hands, their fingers, their lips, their tongue. Now he talks about their feet. Their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. You know, in, in these events that take place here, there are people who watch the news to find out where the next problem is. And they get in their car and they race over there so that they can be a part of it. They want to be involved in the next, the next riot or the next looting or the next protest or whatever it is. And, and, and that's been documented, that there are people that are traveling around. That's what they're doing. Their feet are running to that place where they can be involved in all the evil, all the wickedness. It says their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. And boy, you talk about a, an accurate description of what's going on in America right now among this crowd. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. That's what it's all about. Destroying whatever. And they destroy the very thing that the people that they're protesting about being mistreated need. They're, 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 they're making it worse. Look at verse number 8. The way of peace they know not. There's no way to, to, to find peace because they don't, they don't know how it is, how, how to get there. There is no judgment. There's a word that's interesting. We'll get to that in a moment. There's no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Verse number 9, Isaiah changes the perspective here. He's not, no longer speaking from the third person. He's now uh, speaking first person. He said, therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. There's those two words again. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like, a blind, like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, there's the word again, but there is none for salvation, but it is far off from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. You know, part of the, part of the problem that occurs in the, in the lives of so many people is they know their iniquities, but they're not willing to acknowledge them. They're trying to hide them. They don't want people to know about it, and they don't want, they think somehow they're going to keep it from God, and so they try to hide it. But the truth is, they know in their heart what's going on. Um, look at verse 13. And trans- transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And then we come to verse 14. And verse 14 is a summary of all that he said. 
it lays it out very clearly what is going on, what the problem is, and, and why people do evil. And here's what he says. There are four words in this, in this verse we're going to look at. Look at verse 14. Judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. First word, judgment is turned around backward. We, in our society in America today, we're living our lives backward. Our thinking is backward. Our approach to things is backward. Judgment is turned around backward. So what is it talking about when it talks about judgment? It talks about discernment. It, it literally is talking about making a judgment about certain things. It's being able to look at a situation and make an accurate judgment about what's going on. Now here's the problem we have in America today, is nobody makes judgments based on the circumstances. They've already made a judgment. They've made their judgment beforehand. They prejudged a situation. And, uh, and, and it's important to understand that sometimes what we do, what we say, how we act, how we dress, there's a whole bunch of things that affect how somebody is going to judge us. Now, for example, I'm pastor of Trinity Baptist Church. I've been in the ministry for 47 years. I'm a Christian. I don't, I, I'm not ashamed of that. I want people to know it. I'll, I'll, I'll proclaim that gladly in a crowd. I'm not, I'm not at all hesitant about letting people know I'm a Christian. But suppose I did this. Suppose I put on a shirt with an offensive slogan on it. And suppose I started using language that was filled with filth. And I started taking God's name in vain. And I started responding to people in an ugly fashion. I never smiled. I, 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 I walked down the street and I glared at people. And, uh, and, I, and I, I portrayed a certain character by the way I was acting, the way I dressed, what I said, what I did, all of those things. And somebody then made a judgment about me based on all of those things. And they responded to me based on their understanding of who I am because of the way I dress, the way I act, what I say, what I do, all those things. And they make a judgment about me and then I get mad at them. You can't, you can't judge me that way. I'm a Christian. Would that be fair for me to say that? Is that fair for me to do that? Do I, do I have a right to be offended that they chose to judge me based on what I was portraying? No. We want, we want people, you know, uh, one of the things that, that Martin Luther King said years ago was he longed for the day when man would be judged by the content of his character instead of the color of his skin. You know what? That's true for everybody. It ought to be true for everybody. It ought to be true for every individual in this room, every person on this planet, ought to be judged by the content of their character and not by anything else that is going on in their lives. 
if you take an attitude toward a certain person for some other reason, then you are prejudging and your thinking is backwards. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. People ought to be judged based on the content of their character. We've got a society in which that is not the case. People's opinions have already been made up. Their, their, their ideas have been conceived in their minds. They're, they're based on falsehoods, but they promote the, uh, the, the, the goal that they're trying to achieve. And their judgment has turned around backwards. Notice the second thing it says. Judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. Now, what does that mean? I think, I think the portrayal there is kind of like here's the situation, and there's a conflict, and there's a problem, and everybody wants justice, but justice is standing over here looking on from the side because they can't get involved in that because what they're doing is not pursuing justice. They want to talk about justice, but they're not concerned about justice. They're concerned about what they want. And, and, and to them, to each of and it's true for all of us, and I'm not, please understand, I'm not, I'm not vilifying any individual or any group. I'm talking about everybody. Broad brush, because it, it has to do with all of us. So justice, for most people, has to do with what I think it ought to be. That's where we are in America today. Justice for me is you paying attention to what I want and agreeing with me. If you don't, then you're being unjust. Now here's the problem. Justice can't be involved in most of these conflicts because the only way justice can exist is if there's a valid standard by which things are judged. There has to be. And then we come to the third part of the verse. It says, for truth is fallen in the street. That's the essential item. It's truth. If there is no truth, then there cannot be any justice. You can't have justice without a standard that is unmovable. And America was built from the beginning, America, <coughs> excuse me just a second. <clears throat> In America, when America was built, it was built on the Judeo-Christian ethics that were based on this book. Now, they can, they can do all they want to to try to say that's not true, that America was never a Christian nation. I can agree with it. It was never a Christian nation. But it was a nation <clears throat> which embraced the principles and truths that are found in this book because it provided a standard, a, a, a basis for measurement, a way to determine what was right and wrong. But as time has passed in our country, because everybody says, no, I have my own freedom. I can do what I want to do. So this boundary was removed to let them do that. 
And then over here, somebody else says, yeah, and I, and I don't want to be bound by that. You're, 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 you're inhibiting my freedom. I have a right to do as I please. You don't have a right to tell me what I can and cannot do. So the, another boundary has moved. And they've done it so much till now there are no boundaries left. So people in Seattle get together and say, we don't want police. And so they occupy a section of Seattle and then have the gall to turn around and say, somebody stole our food. Aren't you going to do something about it? Talk about somebody whose judgment is backward. They have no standard of truth. There is no standard by which you determine what you do or don't do. There is no standard that identifies what justice is. And so every man does that which is right in their own eyes. And it's just the imagination of their own heart that determines what they do. And you have no right to not allow me to do what I choose to do. Because I have freedom. Absolute freedom, that is freedom without boundaries, is anarchy. And that's where our country is heading. And then we come to the last verse, the last word in verse 14, and equity cannot enter. The word equity means integrity. Integrity cannot enter. Integrity is completely gone. When our judgment is so twisted, there is no justice because justice can't. There is no justice in in a situation like that. There can be no integrity. And it all happens because truth has been done away with. Look at verse 15. Yea, truth faileth. Here's the scary part for us. It's It's not really scary. It's the sobering part for us as believers. Yea, truth falleth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. You know what that means? That means the folks that like what is right, the folks that still embrace the truth, the folks that are determined they're going to live their lives based on an absolute standard, they become the enemy. And they become the prey. And eventually... I mean, we're already there to a great deal, to a great extent, but eventually believers are going to be the prey. Because we're, we're, are, are, are you going to stand for the truth? Are you going to take your stand? Are you going to boldly say, I believe this book? Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I think there's a, 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 an absolute standard of right and wrong. Yes, I'm going to do what God says to do. You take that stand... And you're going to be considered an enemy and you're going to be the prey. The Bible says that that's the way it's going to end up. We have lived in a country for years that has given us a sense of comfort and, and, and essentially favoritism because of our faith. But that's very unique in our society. That's very unique in the history of the world. That's not been the way it has always been. And Jesus said it would not be that way. Remember, they persecuted me. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you too. 
They're not going to like what you stand for any more than they like what I stand for. We've, we've had the, 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 the benefit of a nation that was populated primarily by Christians for so many years. But now that has slowly gone away, the number of Christians. And, and, and some of it, I think, is people who have embraced a gospel that says all I need to do is, you know, I, 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 yeah, I believe on Christ, and so I'm, I'm saved now. There's more to it than that. There has to be a change. Salvation involves reconciliation, redemption, and regeneration. You get a new life. You, you, you're made alive. You're a different person. And things ought to be different in our lives because of that. And the truth is, in America, there are many who claim the name of Christ, who have never been genuinely born again. I can't judge. I don't know who they are. But, 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 the, but if, if a person has been born again, their life is going to reflect the difference that God has made. And we as believers need to be very careful to make sure we take our stand. Truth faileth. He that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. That kind of wraps it up. No judgment. No judgment in America today. Everything is prejudged. And it's based on what I want, rather than any standard of truth. Now, four things I want you to see very quickly. We'll be done. Number one is that God is still there. And his, he is still willing and he is still able to do what needs to be done in our lives to help us to take the stand that we ought to take, to help us to be what we ought to be, and to help us to influence those whom we have an opportunity to influence. His hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Number two, the problem is not God's. The problem is man. You know why we're in the mess we're in? Because the principle of sowing and reaping still operates. That which a man soweth, that shall he also reap. When man in America sows his own desires, that he's going to reap the, response, the, the result of, of, of seeking those desires. And that's where we are in America today. So God is still there and he still wants to help us. Number two, man is the problem, it's not God. Number three, the essential need for our country right now is the truth. It's the truth. And, and truth is found in this book. The Spirit of God who lives in our hearts as believers. We are the only source of truth that our society today has. That sound may sound, some people may say, well, that's a very arrogant statement to make. You're, you have, you're the only ones who have the truth. Everybody's got it if they have the Word of God. But those who know the Lord are the only ones who have that truth living within them. And our society is much worse off because there are fewer of us than there has been in the past. And then the fourth thing is we need to remember that this world is not our home. 
we're here temporarily. We're strangers and pilgrims, and our inheritance comes from above, and there's coming a day when all of this will seem like a distant memory, and we'll look back on it and say, why did we get so bent out of shape about what's going on? Listen, we can't do anything about all of that, all of the, the craziness and the confusion and the corruption that's taking place in America. We can't. We don't have power. The folks here in this in this body of believers, we can't. We can't change our country. But you know what? We can influence our family. We can influence our neighbors. We can influence our coworkers. We can influence our friends. We can have an impact in our our little scope of influence, if we're willing to take our stand, if we're willing to not bend to those who have chosen to ignore what God says, if we're willing to be, not just say, but be what we claim to be. We've got to be very careful to make sure that what we say is consistent with how we live. So the people understand that we're not just, we're not, we're not just, you know, we haven't just been brainwashed to believe a certain thing. God has changed us. He's done a work in our hearts and in our lives. And the world needs to be able to see that in us. Is it going to be comfortable for us? I don't think so. But is it the right thing to do? Absolutely. And if we are not ashamed of our Savior, then we'll make it obvious to those around us that we know him and that we believe this book and that there are standards of justice and that there are ways for us to make right judgments. Instead of judging somebody ahead of time, we determine what they are based on who they really are. That would make a huge difference. Can't change our country. We can change our lives. We can't, we can't, we can't change them. God can change our lives as we yield ourselves to him. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed.